Good morning, KZYX listeners. This is Casey Johnston, a local pediatrician hosting the Mind Body Health Program. This is a pre-recorded show today, and we are really lucky to have on today the Blue Zones Project of Mendocino. So we have Ryan Vaness and Lucy Bartholomew. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So I always start with a little introduction. Um, you know, what brought you to this area, or maybe you grew up here, I don't know. <laughs> Sure. So um, this is Lucy, and I came to Mendocino County 10 years ago with the idea that I would be here for two months to study agriculture um, at the Jevons Center. I was learning the grow biointensive method of um, growing food, and I just fell in love with the community and the space and the work. And um, after I graduated college, I moved here full time, um, and I've been here ever since, and just um, loving, loving the community. And um, my career path really started with uh, food security work, and then um, I dove into built environment work. And now that I'm at the Blue Zones Project, it really takes uh, the best of both worlds, and my work involves um, food security and access and impacting the built environment, um, as well as impacting tobacco policy. Yeah, and Ryan Vaness here. Uh, so I, my wife and I moved to Mendocino County about seven years ago now, and we were actually hired by Adventist Health to come in and help create a program called the Live Well Program, which was really centric around kind of the lifestyle medicine model of health and wellness. And and so at that time, um, I I am and was a personal trainer, and so really created that one-on-one -on -one opportunity for our clients to really kind of experience fitness in a new way that was really more kind of in a sustainable pattern that was kind of custom customized for each individual, and so really great experience. And in that that period of time, had heard about Blue Zones Project and said, wow, if they ever came to Mendocino County, I would love to be part of that team. And yeah, obviously, over the last year and a half, we've been part of Blue Zones Project as our organization lead. And so I work with all of our local businesses, um, ranging from grocery stores, restaurants, work sites, and schools. That's awesome. And we're here in your office today recording the show, and it's a very inspiring space. There's pictures, uh, photos of the county, and um, you're right by Grace Hudson School, right by um, Boys and Girls Club. So you're very, you know, integrated into the community, which is awesome. So we, uh, you both mentioned the Blue Zones Project. So what is, kind of <laughs> what, what does Blue Zones mean? And then we'll get into what Blue Zones Mendocino is doing. <laughs> Cool. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. So, um, you know, really, if you look around at the world that we live in, so many systems that we interact with every day are um, make it easy and convenient and uh, compelling and attractive to make unhealthy choices. You know, going through a, a drive through to um, pick up your dinner is it seems like often the easy choice. So our work looks to make healthy choices, easier, compelling, beautiful, fun. And we do that through a systems-based approach to, to increase that access to um, healthy living. So our work is really a community-led well-being initiative 
where we work with people and groups and organizations. And our, um, our focus areas are people, places, and policy. So I'll start with saying, you know, my policy work, I, would, I work with the municipalities and with the county overall to advance policy in our three priority areas, which is the built environment, which is our, our roadways, our parks, things like that that are built around us. Bike lanes. Bike lanes, that, for yeah. example. There's yes. more bike lanes than Ohio <laughs> now. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's been um, something that we've been working on. We'll talk a little bit about that in a, in a bit. And then uh, food policy and uh, tobacco policy. I was pretty surprised by how dire the metrics are for um, tobacco addiction, especially in Mendocino County. So that's our policy work. And then our people work is really our um, direct programming. That's nutrition um, education and um, forming walking groups with folks that we call walking moais and doing some workshops like purpose workshops and, and other direct programming. And then our places work, as Ryan mentioned briefly, that's, that's really his role, is uh, working with restaurants, grocery stores, work sites, schools, that all of them <laughs> <laughs> to make healthier choices easier in the places where people spend so darn much of their time. And our work is really based on these, these findings from this 10-year-long study by National Geographic fellow um, Dan Burden, where he researched the places in the world where people lived the longest, healthiest lives. And he found these nine shared characteristics of these places that were really socioeconomically diverse and geographically and, you know, the climates were diverse. But he was able to identify these nine shared principles and um, branded them the, the power nine principles. And Ryan's going to go over that, go over those in a minute. Um, but really what a Blue Zones project does is reverse engineer those nine principles and apply them to places where people live an average lifespan to support systems in our community that uh, advance those principles. So with that, so as I've said, we work at a systems-based approach, but there's also some individual actions that folks can take. And I'd like to turn it over to Ryan to talk a little bit about some of those individual actions before we talk about broad things. And I'll, I'll pause for a moment. This is KPYX Mind Body Health, and we're with the Blue Zones Project, learning about all that they have done and do for community health. And this is Casey Johnston. I'm a pediatrician helping to host. And as a pediatrician, like, let me say, I just so appreciate what you're doing because in the clinic setting, when there's, you know, um, like diabetes in a young kid or, um, you know, even high blood pressure, cholesterol, all this stuff going on down to young kids, you know, there's so much we can do, only so much we can do with the family, but so often I hear there's no safe place for my kid to play outside. We're, you know, they're stuck inside all the time. So they're on the TV or the closest store to walk to is the gas station. And, you know, so my kid buys chips when they get any money. <laughs> um, so it is, it's going, you know, up the river to find the causes of what's happening downstream. Um, so yeah, so important. <laughs> So I'll let you take it away, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, we came across a series of questions that we think are just so incredibly important that are actually fairly accurate predictors to an individual's potential for longevity. And, and this is really fascinating. So this is a series of seven questions. And so for you all at home, I would love for you to kind of just keep track of how many you say yes to 
And how many you say no to? Because the answer at the end is going to be really key for that prediction of possibly how long you might live. Um, and so question number one, um, how many of you all uh, sleep at least eight hours a day, five days a week? I actually, honestly, have to say no to that. Like, that's an embarrassing statement. Like, me too. And you caught me once. I sent an email, like, late at night once. <laughs> you, yeah. You're like, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> and you told me the next day. You're like, that's kind of late. <laughs> so I'm with you. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I, I honestly can't even say I say yes to all these already. Uh, okay, so question number two uh, is movement related. How many of you move at least 30 minutes a day? in a fairly natural way, whether it's walking or biking, you know, it can be formalized, formal exercise as well, but at least 30 minutes a day. Um, that could be gardening as well. All right, so question number three um, is regarding fruits and vegetables. And so how many of you eat at least three servings of fruits, to fruits and vegetables every day? And a serving would be one cup. So three cups of that each and every day. Um, question number four um, is really important with regards to our, our smoking policy work um, is how many of you have been able to refrain from smoking for the past five years? Would you say vaping as well? Would you include that or is this? We're going to include vaping in that okay. conversation as well. Okay. Um, you know, there can be some questions regarding, like, is it tobacco related? Is it vaping related? You know, those types of substances. Um, but we'll say, we'll say for now, kind of in that, that smoking and, and vaping. Yeah, great, great question. Uh, number five, um, how many of y'all belong to a faith-based organization, a civic-based organization? Um, for our younger audience, maybe it could be a club or it could be like a sports team. You know, that that kind of that sense of community that, that those can bring in our lives. And maybe with that kind of regularly meeting. Regularly meeting. Yeah. Like maybe that's a part of it. Like you you know you're gonna get together with those people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Some of those questions would say like like four times a month, like on that on that regular basis, almost once a week. Yeah, absolutely. Um the last two are really, really interesting. Um, and I wish we had a lot of time to dive into them, but um, one is how many of you have at least three close friends that you can lean on during difficult times that you can celebrate life and, and the journey of life, right? And, and really just experience life together. And one statistic that I'll share before we dive into the last one, you know, statistically now here in the United States, sadly, we're down to averaging you know, a total number of close friends to 1.5 close friends. So if you have a couple of people that are out of town for that day, who do you call, mm -hmm. right? To say, hey, I just got a promotion or, hey, I'm struggling with this. Like, that's so important, those people that we associate with. And the Surgeon General just, like, he has, um, he's addressing this as well, I think, highlighting the importance um, or the detrimental health effects of loneliness. Yeah. Like he recently identified it as a major health risk, which yeah. is, I don't think a Surgeon General's done before. <laughs> Good honor. That's great. That's great. Um, and the last one is uh, how many of you believe that you have the health and the desire to live to the age of 90? 
I just love like as we process some of these questions, we're like, oh boy, like I have things that I might be able to improve on, right? So of those seven questions, this is fascinating. Um, so for people that said yes to only two of those questions, um, for men, their life expectancy is to be seven, uh, 67 and for women is 71, okay? So what we do in our lives clearly shows, hey, like how long may I live? So now let's let's jump it up to five. So if we said yes to five of these, and these are really simple health traits, not simple necessarily to implement, but pretty basic that we can say, oh, I can try and make a difference in this area, right? So if we jump up to five, this is incredible. So again, two for men was 67. If you go to five, it jumps to 79. Wow. <laughs> and for women, the previous number was 71, and it jumps to 83. We're talking sleep, we're talking friends, we're talking fruits and vegetables, we're talking mood, right? Health traits that we implement. Okay, this is incredible. If we say yes to all seven of these, and again, I didn't say yes to all these myself, which is embarrassing, but um, for men, it jumps to 88, and women is 91. Wow. <laughs> and those are just simple seven health principles that we could say, oh, wow, like I can improve that area. And improving one area will increase that, that potential for longevity, health, happiness, wholeness in life significantly. So, yeah, <laughs> file those away and see if there's some things that we can definitely improve is, on. Is there a, like a book that you can guide people towards to learn more? Yeah, actually, for sure, for sure. Um, so our, our founder, Dan Butner actually has written, I wanted to say close to 10 books now. And um, there's some really great reads. We have one that's called The Blue Zone Solutions. Um, another one that focused specifically on our Power Nine principles. Um, he's come up with another number of, if you're looking to cook, a couple of great recipe, you know, books and stuff. So yeah, there's some really great reads. Um, one that I think would be really neat to mention as well, um, we'll talk more about Purpose Workshop in the future here in a little bit, um, is actually if you're looking kind of for wholeness in that sense of purpose, um, we recommend a book by Viktor Frankl called uh, Man's Search for Meaning. And I am not a, a guy that cries very often. That definitely brought some tears to my eyes. And uh, yeah, really great book, Man's Search for Meaning. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, and just a side note, um, overview of one of the things that I find so amazing about that book, Man's Search for Meaning, is uh, Viktor Frankl was um, was a Jewish psychologist who was in um, Auschwitz in the concentration camp um, and during the Holocaust. And um, he found that people who maintained a sense of, of purpose had um, better outcomes during and after these horrendous traumatic experiences. And he um, extended that to uh, lessons for folks in, in traumatic um, situations and in less traumatic situations. And he's just uh, an incredible thinker. So certainly worth giving that a read and, and just do a, a Wikipedia search on this man. He's amazing. So. <laughs> I'll have to, yeah, I'll have to pick this book up, up um, 
I mean, this is a, a theme I see in the pediatric clinic, mm-hmm. just, you know, well, especially during like when the schools were doing distant le- distance learning and, um, but it comes up a lot in teenage years, <laughs> like search for meaning. And, you know, I, I find some teens like in their room playing video games all weekend type of situation and they don't have that like purpose yet or they haven't found it or um so it is such a motivating guide to keep going to you know live your best life and absolutely (laughs) um, have goals and um yeah even uh some examples recently and how teens found meaning was volunteering Mm -hmm. like that is a relatively easy way to find some meaning (laughs) to give back to volunteer at the library to volunteer at the you know humane society to yeah so it's super important topic especially even for kids and teens yeah absolutely yeah just a um digress on the topic of volunteerism is that uh some of this body of research has found that people who volunteer regularly live on average seven years longer than than people who don't which is kind of incredible and um (laughs) my personal anecdote is that um you know, through the volunteerism that I've had the opportunity to do in my life, um, it's helped me to form some of my deepest connections. Like most of my really good friends are people who I've met by by volunteering together. So, I mean, I think volunteerism is one of those cool examples where it's 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 purpose. It's often involves movement and it involves that that deep connection. So. That's yeah, a really good way to spend time. And actually, if I could plug, we're <laughs> we're in search of volunteers. Well, we have been asked by um, Jin Junior. Um, I don't know Jin's last name. Jin Junior. Okay. <laughs> At the um, City of Ten Thousand Buddhas Instilling Virtues um, School, for uh, she is seeking support for the garden on campus to have somebody a star volunteer come out um and offer you know maybe a few hours a month or a couple hours a week to support their on-campus garden and ideally you know help foster some of the kids using that garden um and feel free to reach out to us um i'll give our email address is bzp mendocino county at sharecare.com and and anyone listening who might be interested in that volunteer opportunity we'll we'll put you in contact with her that's awesome and again this is kzyx mind body health and we're speaking to ryan and lucy of the blue zones project of mendocino and my name is casey johnston i'm a local pediatrician and just yeah talking about ways to volunteer um and i would i would plug too that Pretty much any school would appreciate a garden volunteer. Um, yeah, and and I think we maybe we'll have time to get into how you're working with schools and a little bit later. But absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah this is just we're so excited to be sharing some of these tips and tricks and in how in how and what we're doing here in the community. And um, if it's okay, we'd love to kind of share a little bit about the Power Nine. You know, some of those those principles that that Dan was able to observe and and to kind of like bring that in, like, how does that impact our community directly? Um, and so we, we kind of break it into four primary categories. Um, the first is move naturally. Second is right outlook. And I'll go over those two. Um, and Lucy will go over the components of eat wisely and the component of connect. 
And it's just so incredible, um, all the, the conversations that can come out of, of really those four primary areas. Um, and so the first being move naturally. Um, what does that look like? Uh, you know, when you when you start talking to some of these older individuals in other countries, um, none of them had a gym membership, right? Like none of them. I don't even think gyms existed probably at that time, right? And and so moving naturally for them, depending on which community they were involved with, would would could be simply you know walking to the grocery store. Um, it would be something like having their own garden. Um, they would walk or ride their bikes to school, to work, you know, that active transportation conversation. And it really, I think, ultimately was participating in something that prompted them to get up and move approximately every 20 minutes or so. And there's some research showing that moving recently, um, that moving more frequently, smaller spurts of frequent movement may actually be better for us than being sedentary, sedentary, going to the gym for 45 minutes a day, but otherwise just sedentary. So yeah, just that, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we all sit up right now. Um, yeah, just the frequent, uh, you know, doing chores around the house, going to the garden, going to your neighbor's house to say hi, um, you know, yeah, walk, taking the bike, riding the, your bike when able, and um, those frequent spurts of even short activities better than, you know, Planning this, you know, defined time of exercise yeah. and then just watching TV the rest of the day. <laughs> or, you know, all your downtime on your iPhone instead of moving. Yeah, absolutely. One thing we wanted to really share how exciting this was. So just yesterday, so May 3, um, we had the opportunity of cruising over to the city of 10,000 Buddhas and and work with um with the girls school that was there and this is just incredible we had a walk bike and roll to school day with them i wish we could share pictures with you all like it was fantastic we had walk and bike mendocino there we had public health from the county that was there blue zones project and then a ton of parents that were with the kids there and we would have loved to have had them be able to literally walk or ride from their homes like, of course, that's the dream, right? However, I think safety is always the number one issue. And, and so the way we facilitated that experience is they have a fairly large campus there. And so we just had everyone meet at the parking lot there in the morning. We had bikes ready. We had all our walking shoes on. And we just went for a 30-minute walk or bike ride with the kids. But before that, we had the opportunity of asking them, you know, how many of you rode to school? And I think it was just two. They rode their bikes to school. You know, how many of you would like to ride or walk to school? And of course, all of them were like, ah, yeah, that'd be great. You know, and then of course, the last question is, how many of you feel it would be safe? And, you know, these are kindergartners up through high school age. And there was like one hand that went up. It was like, oh yeah, I'm safe enough for me, right? And And I think that's kind of where the rubber meets the road is like, if we ever have these walk, bike, and roll the school days for any of our other schools, right? Mm-hmm. What would that look like? And right now, it's very rare that families can just send their kids from their front door to be able to walk to school. And I think that's the ultimate question of active transportation, whether it's to school or to work or to go shopping, is how can we positively influence that environment? 
so that we can be safe, so that we have a good experience and something that we can replicate on a regular basis. And Lucy, has there been anything that we've been able to do, like connect people we've been able to connect with? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I like that leading question. You're like, what do we do? <laughs> um, yeah, and you know, I think it's such a critical point that you bring up that um it's it's ineffective in you know the world that we live in for us to just go around and tell people you should be moving your body more, you should be eating more vegetables. You know, everyone knows that, but there are realistic, you know, barriers to those things. And and one of them, of course, is, as Ryan mentioned, is just infrastructure and safety and that concern around like, yeah, I would love to ride my bike to school, but it doesn't feel safe. So exactly as, as Ryan's saying, our work is um, in part, you know, developing these programming with kids, get them comfortable on their bikes and things like that. We, you know, in partnership with Walk and Bike Mendocino, but um, in our in our policy work, we advocate uh, for complete streets. Uh, principles to be incorporated into the design of streets. So, for example, in Ukiah, we, um, throughout basically all of 2022, um, were serving on the Complete Streets Ad Hoc Committee for the design design and development for a few uh, different streets that were being upgraded. So, like, Clara Street, Dora, um, now I'm forgetting it was like... (laughs) What was this was like six months ago and I can't even remember what the heck was this seemed very important at the time. It is important. <laughs> anyway, but, um, and then um advocated uh alongside many other groups for the city of Ukiah to include a complete streets policy in their general plan, which was just adopted. So I should say what complete streets is. I'm throwing around that jargon. And um complete streets is a set of principles that make a roadway um appropriate for all users and um, creates infrastructure that is walkable, bikeable, rollable, um, ADA compliant, and and also still, of course, usable for um, pedestrian, excuse me, for uh, passenger vehicles, as well as, you know, delivery vehicles, all the cars. Um, But, you know, really a a road should be for, for all users and especially, you know, in a community like ours where, so many of the trips that we take are within two miles and um, could and should be accessible. And if we address the design of our roadways, then then we can create um, ease of access for um, active transportation. So I mentioned a little bit of what we're doing in Ukiah. The city of Willits, likewise, is starting to consider a um, complete streets ordinance there. Um, they are interested in learning more about that, and uh, we are coordinating with them on some opportunities there. And then um, Covalo is also updating their um, downtown roadway to incorporate complete streets principles. We were on the uh, steering committee for that and have helped guide the work of this uh, Clean California grant-funded project up there. Um, That's awesome. And I just want to mention, too, like in our county, we have so many rural areas. Yeah. and like you think, oh, small town, rural, like out in the mountains, or you know, our kids should be able to just run around free. But I, I hear it a lot in the clinic, like you know, mm-hmm. people in smaller towns, like you no, know, our kids stay inside all the time because it's not safe. There's no sidewalk. <laughs> yeah, like the school's two blocks away, but there's no sidewalk and the street's busy, so I don't let them walk to school. I, I mean, I've heard it a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and I like how you included on complete streets rollable. 
<laughs> we I we, I for a little bit when I first moved here lived in in town and my daughter was in preschool she liked to use her little roller skates to, <laughs> roller skate with me to to preschool so yeah definitely important roller rollable <laughs> I guess skateboards too count right yeah sure yeah <laughs> And, you know, ultimately, you know, when we're, we're looking even at the larger cities too, the, the health equity, you know, is not equal from, you know, north to south, even Ukiah. And, you know, really working closely with those, with those local partners and municipalities to really say, hey, we see these discrepancies. Like, you know, we're in the south end of town here and the community is very different down in this area. And, you know, do they have access to hiking trails down in this area that they could walk or ride to? No, Low Gap is quite a ways away, you know, to get to those those trails. And, and how can we create those opportunities? You know, parks. Grace Hudson is really the only quote-unquote park that there is, but it's not even a park. You know, it's, it's on school grounds, so it can only be used at certain times. And, you know, so it's, it's, it's really eye-opening to see those discrepancies. And to really ensure that those conversations continue to happen and, and so that we can be, you know, those advocates for some people that the voices may not have been heard as much in the past. So, so complete yeah. streets kind of also encompasses like parks, maybe. And I mean, that's another, I guess, not so much, but in the larger, larger scheme of things. Um, yeah, just neighborhood parks are so important Yeah, to be yeah. able to walk to the. The neighborhood park and to to make schools more accessible to be used as parks because it's also for families a familiar place their kids go there you know they're more likely probably to go to a familiar place than where they haven't been before and yeah 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 and um maybe this is just mincing word but uh it access to green space is not a, necessarily a principle of complete streets but it but access to green space is is part of our built environment scope of work within the Blue Zones project. But that's it's sort of splitting it. Right? <laughs> Sometimes but they're all related. They all overlap. Absolutely. Yeah. You got to be walking or biking somewhere, right? <laughs> yeah. And I just want to reiterate the really good point that Ryan brought up that a lot of the times, like, you know, there are these like walkability um, scorecards and different um, streets and neighborhoods can be assessed on how walk they are. And it is pretty striking how closely tied to um, income rates and, and rates of affluence um, that is, you know, wealthier neighborhoods are a lot more likely to have safer, more walkable streets. And we really, um, in our work, we, we focus on the areas of our community that um, have had more limited access to that, that advocacy and those, those funds. So, um, there's absolutely an equity piece in, mm -hmm. you know, health access and health systems access. So, um, so we were talking about the the principles. Yeah, it kind of I digressed us all. Yeah, we could we could literally talk about move natural. Every single one of these nine principles could take up an hour. Yeah. conversation. So, yeah. <laughs> so I reintroduce this is KBYX, and my name is Casey Johnston. I'm a host here for Mind Body Health, the Mind Body Health program, and we're here with the Blue Zones Project, Mendocino, Ryan and Lucy, and so we're talking about the principles of uh, uh, 
being a blue zone area or or following the blue zone principles, I guess. Um, so uh, we were talking about movement and um, complete streets and <laughs> green yeah. spaces and what are some other yeah principles you want to talk about? Yeah, the 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 second section of this kind of falls into what we call the right outlook, and and there's two primary. Uh, areas that kind of fall into this category. Um, the first one is is downshifting. We call it downshift. And you know we live in a world that is just so fast paced. Like I'm looking at my calendar and it's like, all right, I got something at 7 a.m. all the way to 7:30 or 8 p.m. And I it's like finding time to slow down is really challenging, right? But if we could learn from some of those other cultures, whether it's domestically here in the States or whether it's looking outside of that, that just do a really great job of knowing how to, to slow down to the point where they can really be more intentional, be in the moment, right? Like downshifting could, can look totally different from one person to the next. And some of the examples that we give for downshift would be, you know, maybe one person loves doing yoga. And that's great. It's slow. It's meditative. Like you can get some movement exercise. Like you kind of feel rejuvenated afterwards. Right. But why can't making music or listening to music be a way of downshifting? Right. Why can't going for a walk and, and spending time with friends be a way of downshifting, reading a book? You know, so it can look very different from person to person, but finding kind of that intentional experience where you can kind of weed out the distractions of life and just kind of, in a way, slow down. And, and that's just so vitally important. And, and that's where we need to learn how to do that. And it's something that we all need to practice, practice downshifting. And, and whether that's something that we need to say is put in our calendars, time to slow down. Like, but maybe that's, that's what we need to think about doing or finding an accountability partner. Like, hey, I'm gonna go do X, Y, Z. Let's let's do this together. Let's slow down a little bit, right? Just and, so incredibly important. Yeah, and some and and you said it can look differently for different people. Some people prefer that alone time, <laughs> <laughs> and some people, yeah, to do it with a friend or. Um, I, I just an example. Uh, I'm not gonna use any names or anything, but um the kids I see in clinic, what has helped dramatically for some teens to to um just focus on their health and kind of downshift and um is through exercise and with their friends. Like mm -hmm. they've picked a time after school, they meet up and just to have that scheduled, like I can think of a few in my head that this just like dramatically changed their health their mental outlook, mm -hmm. <laughs> everything, mm -hmm. just to get together with friends and do something for themselves and yeah. every day. I love how like that downshifting example is it's unplugging from school and the rigors of their day-to-day -day life and then focusing on an activity, even if it's fairly intense, like that can still be downshifting, right? And, and I love that. And especially that they're coming together to support mm -hmm. one another. Mm -hmm. That is that is so cool. So that's one piece. And the last one I'll share is is purpose and i think you know i wish we could almost share purpose as being the last of these power nine because purpose can really you know stem into every single one of these areas but individuals who live on purpose that know why they get up in the morning 
that have things that they're engaged in on a regular basis that brings value to not only their lives, but maybe those around them and the greater community. Those are individuals that are always happier. Those are individuals that almost always tend to live longer, right? And, and that purpose is just so important. And we actually have gone through a purpose workshop training and Victor Frankel's book actually is one that we, you know, encourage people to read during that or, or prior to that workshop or, or post. But it's really fascinating when we start looking at, you know, kind of, you know, what are our personal gifts? What are those values that we hold really important? Um, what are the passions that we have in life? And, and how can we kind of bring that formula down to, to identifying like our sense of purpose, right? And, and going through, you know, some things that, hey, you know, we call it our, the life cycle. You know, there's things that might cause some challenges in life. There are things that, you know, are ups and downs, whether it's plateaus or we're just kind of cruising through life or whether we have triggering events, whether it's a loss of a loved one or a loss of a job or even a, a new job and a, a new life that's born, right? That could be a triggering positive event. But these types of things guide us through identifying, wow, okay, this is what I'm good at. This is what I love doing. And, and these are things that I can focus on to give myself purpose. And, and I really encourage people to, to look around you, identify some of those individuals that you know that you just, they live on purpose. Like it could be a teacher that you've had in the past, right? That you, you show up to their class and you're just like, like so zoned in and mesmerized by the subject that they're teaching because they're just so passionate about that, right? And, you know, it could be someone that loves gardening and they, they have this beautiful garden and everything they do is eat, sleep, talk, gardening, right? Like that's their purpose. And it's okay to have different purposes than oh. your friends. And I think that's important to know too, especially for kids. I'm sorry, I'm from pediatrics. I keep bringing up like kids, but it, all this can start so young. But I think that's important to to know, like it does not have to be the same purpose or passion as your friend or your family member like it's okay to it's okay to be different <laughs> but I um also you brought up resiliency so like having a sense of purpose helps with resiliency and getting through these challenging times getting through the road bumps um and you know this this helps drive you forward instead of like getting sunk down <laughs> absolutely absolutely and, and you know again just as that call out, if anyone's interested in, you know, refocusing and rehoning that sense of purpose in their lives and would love to have a greater conversation or go through one of our workshops, you know, please reach out to us. We'll, we're going to be putting workshops on in all communities throughout Mendocino County. So would love to, to pair you into something like that as well. <laughs> yeah. And, um, I'll just reiterate our email address is, is best to reach us. That's BZP Mendocino County at sharecare.com. And I guess I'll also at this moment plug some of our social media pages and we'll repeat it at the end. But our Instagram is uh, BZP Mendocino County. That's all one word. And our Facebook, if you just search Blue Zones Project slash Mendocino County, you'll find us there. And, and those are, are three great ways to to reach us and, and uh, keep in touch with our work. Um, 
Yeah, so do you mind if I shift gears? So I'm sure that uh, for a lot of folks, when you think about um, health and public health, you know, food is one of the things that comes to mind. Um, and some of our principles do do fall under this category of eating wisely. So that includes plant slant, which is encouraging folks to you know, eat a lot of uh, fruits and vegetables and legumes and plants. It's it's not necessarily that we're advocating for vegetarian or vegan diets. It's just this awareness on um, eating a lot of plants. It's just, I think we kind of all know that that's a healthy thing to do. <laughs> well, in, in, yeah, in the clinic too, like I, mm-hmm. you know, I get like, oh, I don't like vegetables or, you know, all that. Mm-hmm. And I'm starting to just say, just see it as a vitamin, you know, <laughs> you just, you know, like, People take multivitamins and your body uses it way better if it's naturally taken, mm-hmm. um, you know, by actually eating the plants and, and uh, the vegetables and, and fruit. So, yeah, just if see it as your vitamins <laughs> and your fiber and your iron and you know, all that other stuff. But yeah, <laughs> no, that's interesting. That's totally there are some vegetables that I have to think about it that way. Um, you know, we also part of our programming is we offer um cooking demonstrations, nutrition workshops. We work with folks to establish uh, potluck moais. Moai is a, a Japanese word that means people gathering for a shared purpose. So um, we do also try to address it by by making um, fruits and vegetables and legumes more appealing. And one of the things that I found so interesting, there's this book, I have to plug it because I just, I just love it. It's called Black, White, and Green. And it's about... Um, the the food movement and the green movement and especially the role of race and culture in the movement it's by this um woman dr allison hope alcon who's just a an idol of mine anyway she um talks a lot about the importance of the importance and the prevalence of your your cultural legacy in the foods that you eat so one of the things that you know we've just seen time and time again is that uh fruits and vegetables that are resonant to your, you know, your nostalgia sense, your heritage, your culture, um, you know, those are the things that people want to eat. So, you know, we look to um, encourage that and and um, increase that access. So anyway, that's plant plant. <laughs> <A little sidebar. laughs> and then uh, friends at five is under the um, eat wisely category, but it also, I mean, so many of these principles are both you know, connect and purpose and eat wisely. So Friends at Five is um, encouraging folks to, you know, at least a couple days a week or as as often as you can fit it in, um, share your meals with with people that you love or, you know, make time to to be with those people, your loved ones, um, and enjoy your Friends at Five. So can you tell us more about what the 80-20 rule is? Sure. So there's a, a Japanese principle. It's called Harihachibu, which roughly translates to an 80% rule. And this is just around being intentional and mindful uh, to check in with yourself when you're nearly done with your meal. And um, the goal is to try to stop eating when you're at about 80% full and not over over satiated. Um, it's really easy for folks to to over consume. I know that I have trouble with that, um, especially if I'm eating distracted. So um, checking in with yourself when you're about 80%, give it a few minutes. And um, if you need a little more, of course, 
But um, so that's our 80% rule. And these uh, eat wisely principles, those, those three principles that I just went over, um, inform some of our cooking demonstrations and our nutrition workshops, as I previously mentioned. Um, but also in our food systems work, we um, we are lending services to the Mendocino County Food Policy Council, which works to support systems for food sovereignty. Uh, food sovereignty is a little bit different from food security. So food security means you have enough food to get through your day in your life. But food sovereignty means that not only do you have enough food, but that that food is culturally appropriate, um, nutritionally sufficient, and the way that it is grown, cultivated, raised doesn't make anyone's life worse, like by overuse of pesticides or exploitative um, employment practices, things like that. So we really look to food sovereignty. Some of our work within the Food Policy Council is I want to plug that the uh, North Coast Farmers Convergence is coming back. Can't wait. That's going to be a summer solstice um, Farmers Convergence this year on June 20th on Ridgewood Ranch. Um, so mark your calendars and there'll be more information to come on that um, coming down the pike. We're also working on supporting institutional purchasing policies like at schools or you know with the large employers so that um, it can be easier for those folks to get healthy locally sourced food. Um, I'm going to make us pause and just address <laughs> Can you tell us more about schools and the food purchasing of schools? Because I think this is like, this is so important. Um, how and yeah, how food is getting to schools, how the, these decisions are being made and all that. Wow. Yeah. In like one minute. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um, I mean, it's super complicated. So in one minute is maybe a little bit difficult, but generally. Yeah, so um let me just pop up. Um yeah, so generally speaking, the way that uh school purchasing is done is at a, a district level, the uh, food service directors um order food for the schools and then um and then kids who um come and eat on campus, um for every meal eaten on campus, the school is reimbursed by the USDA. Uh for, for the food eaten there. And then those reimbursements um, are used to purchase more food. So one of the difficulties with that is that um, USDA has relatively tight restrictions. Some of them are good. Some of them are, I, I would like to see it a little bit different, <laughs> but uh, they do have, you know, pretty tight nutrition guidelines, but um, they also are fairly restrictive of who, um, the food can be purchased from. So it's it's largely like these really big um, aggregated food distributors. And so what we're looking to is um, empowerment of school districts to purchase from places like the Mando Lake Food Hub, um, who we're working with on a um, business plan uh, right now. And um, so in updating an institutional purchasing policy, it's it's really important that we're also building capacity for the schools to actually implement those policies because we don't want to advocate for any policies that are just going to go on the shelf. Um, but yeah, some local solutions have included, it's just, you know, much smaller scale, but um, campus gardens where kids have access to some fresh fruits and vegetables. Um, but where they can, they can actually eat those because I've heard there's even um, pushback 
Yeah. Like kids will grow things on campus yeah. and then they're not, they're not able or allowed to, to serve them. Right. <laughs> so then they end up selling them to other people because they're not allowed to eat the food they grew. Anyway, it's just frustrating. No, you're right. Yeah, there's so much red tape in schools. Um, there are also are a lot of um, creative thinkers who are working on solutions. And I don't think I can say specific solutions over the air when we're still like sorting yeah, them out. Yeah. There's, work, <laughs> there's work being done, which I'm just so excited for. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, but you're right. There's, yes, there's a lot of red tape and a lot of opportunities. So. One thing I would love to mention is the important work that our school districts are doing around their health advisory committees. Um, You know, it's just, that's a huge, huge area that of of area of emphasis, because, you know, we're always looking for professionals to serve on these committees. We're looking for school teachers. We're looking for parents. We're looking for students. And, And those individuals can really come together and voice those concerns. And um, that's a perfect place for things to actually happen and for I think, change to take place. I think having students, I think that was, I've been really glad that you brought that up because you can find a lot out about the kids who are getting the food and what they, you know, what their frustrations are. And um, it's so important to have their voice too, because let me tell you, I heard so much excitement when the salad bars came back to campus. Yeah. Like kids were excited, yeah. <laughs> like really excited yeah. to have salad bars. And I don't know if that was like fully expected for there to be so much enthusiasm from the kids themselves to eat vegetables. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that. You know, it, so we've been we've been able to work actually really closely with our Willits Unified School District, um, their nutrition director, Christy Wisdom, doing such a great job. And, and the same with Fort Bragg. Um, Pilar Gray, um, and, and, you know, just kind of in chatting with them during some of these meetings around, like, what are those barriers that prevent them from being able to put quality food in front of the students? And, and I think the two that really just kind of jumped out was one, one is individuals actually working in the cafeteria to be able to prepare the food. Mm-hmm. kitchens at schools they yep <laughs> so to so just the personnel piece it's so difficult to to be able to hire enough people um or do they even have the FTEs to be able to do that so if you don't have enough people it's going to be warming trays and just throw it out as quickly as possible mm-hmm. and then two is what does that kitchen itself look like and without pointing fingers at any specific schools those those cafeterias aren't set up in a way that's conducive to prevent injury for some of those employees to be able to cook a quality meal in the mass quantity, right? And so it's making sure that that those cafeterias are set up in a way that those individuals can work efficiently, that they can be able to utilize the food that is brought in in an efficient manner to be able to serve that to the students. And hopefully those foods can gradually be able to improve in in the nutritional value and the quality if they can kind of some of those issues over time as well. Yeah. Yeah. I know that Ukiah Unified has uh, done a lot to um, streamline their processes to have uh, scratch cooking so they can, you know, have whole produce that they uh, turn into meals. 
And Ryan's exactly right. Like one of the ways to impact a system there is by um, getting access to those cafeterias, uh, for those cafeterias to have the equipment that they need to, to process all of this food. Because it takes a lot of time to feed, you know, to make enough meals to feed thousands of kids. And, and a lot of kids are getting two, three meals a day mm -hmm. at school. So, I mean, most of their nutrition is coming, it, they're getting at school. Mm -hmm. So crucial. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, so just because I think we're almost to the end of the hour, I want to um, briefly touch on uh, the last category of the Power Nine principles is connect. And uh, as we've said, you know, the Power Nine principles kind of feed into one another, but connect is really, um, it's about bringing, putting your loved ones first, you know, whether that be your family or chosen family, having a positive pack. So this really means that, you know, the folks that you surround yourself with, your the people that you spend the majority of your time with end up um, having a big impact on uh, the decisions that you make. You know, if you are, if your friend group is um, going on hikes together, you're, you're probably going to go on more hikes. If your friend group is talking about philosophy, you're probably going to be talking about philosophy, whatever it is. And um, so this is about not only um, a, a positive group around you, but also recognizing your impact on your friends and um, encouraging your, your friend group, your family group, those people within your pack um, to be doing things that are healthy for you and them. Um, and then the last part of connect is having a sense of belonging. So this could be belonging to, you know, for some people conventionally it can be belonging to a faith-based organization, you know, no specific denomination that, that we're um, advocating for, but it can also include belonging to a civic organization, or this is a little more controversial, but I love to put my plug in. I'm in recovery. So for me, my sense of belonging, the, the group that I belong to is really my AA community. And what you find in like what belong means is having um, folks that you connect with on some certain, you know, spiritual practice um, and taking that time within this practice to to downshift, have a meditative, reflective experience. And um, having that sense of belonging does um, impact your longevity and, and overall quality of life. So, you know, find where you belong and, and uh, fit in with that. Um, in our programming, we have mentioned this earlier in the hour, but we have this um, set of programming called moais. That's a Japanese word that means people gathering for a shared purpose. Um, and if you are interested in starting a walking moai or a purpose workshop, work, <laughs> excuse me, purpose moai or potluck moai, um, please get in touch with us. We'll, we'll reshare our contact information at the very end. Um, but uh, MOAIs are some of our programming to encourage that um, connection. So you can connect through the blue zones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. We'll, we'll help folks in the community connect with each other. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that is, yeah, awesome. <laughs> it, is, it can be hard sometimes to find people you connect with. I mean, I, yeah, I tell people in clinic too, if someone's going to get counseling or something like the first counselor you talk to may not be the best, you know, person to like share all your emotions with or, yeah. um, and the same can be said about, you know, finding your, your group and connecting. Like it may, you may go to a few different, mm -hmm. you know, events or yeah, meet different people and see who, who you connect with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So 
real quick, we um, just have a minute left, but we want to reiterate kind of what what success will look like at the end of our project. And um, Ryan, I just spoke for 20 minutes straight. <laughs> Do you want to share what Love you see? To. You know, I think when we look at some of these other communities around the world that are successful at living longer, that are healthier, that are happier, why can't we do that here as well? And and so ultimately, our Blue Zones project quantifies success by engagement. How many people can we have that are just excited about getting together and going for walks, excited about eating together, right? Excited about moving naturally. Um, success for us says, hey, let's get these workplaces that have passionate leaders that say we want to positively impact our, the, the health of our associates, whether it's working for MCHC or whether it's working for, you know, factory pipe or, or whether it's working for spare time supply, you know, these influential organizations, they, they have the ability for them to make an impact in the health of their, their associates, whether it's working with schools and, and the more people we can get on this wellness bandwagon, on this health bandwagon, like that's what, that's what the journey is about. And we won't bore you with the metrics we need to make other than we want everyone to be part of this journey. And, and that's, that's really what it boils down to for us. Yeah. And this is KZYX's Mind Body Health Program. And I'm Casey Johnston here with the Blue Zones Project, Lucy and Ryan, and we're wrapping up here. Um, so how, what's your website really briefly in our last couple seconds? <laughs> sure. So the best way to get in touch with us is to email bzpmendocinocounty at sharecare.com. Follow us on Instagram. Our handle is bzpmendocinocounty or on our Facebook page, which is Blue Zones Project slash Mendocino County. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the program today. This has been awesome. And thank you all for giving us this opportunity to share our story and uh, to be along the journey with you all. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, Casey. This is really fun and, and great to talk with you. You too. Thanks. <laughs> This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.